Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Proactive Caregiving Podcast. As a CPA with over 20 years as an industry accountant, Jessica stepped away from the corporate world to become a full-time caregiver for her mother. Having learned invaluable lessons along the way, she is now here to share those with you and to invite you to join her on this caregiver's journey. Here is your host, Jessica Cannon. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I am the Proactive Caregiver. And I specialize in educating others on how to be proactive by empowering you, the caregiver. Because if you can't take care of yourself, then you can't take care of your loved one. Today, I want to talk to you about capturing memories by using a very special nonprofit organization. I'm going to bring this forward because this is one of the issues I've had with mom. During my visits with mom, I tried to be present in the moment and enjoy our conversation as much as possible. Because I knew as soon as I left her apartment, as soon as I stepped out of the community, my mind would just play those tricks on me. Those what ifs would just seep right in. And I would jump right forward to those scary, unknown, what is it gonna be like in her final days? Each moment of laughter, each, and even painstaking moments of trying to pull her focus out of her seek and find word puzzles to focus and look at me and kind of capture that bonding in that moment. It was my desperate attempt to hold her in that present moment. Her smile just, it relieved, it relieved me in such a way that I could see the contentment. I could also see the happiness despite her diminishing abilities. But each time I received an update from a nurse or med tech, I felt grateful, but at the same time, I felt this alarming sense of time, time escaping us. And that invisible sand hourglass seemed to be there and it became more of my elephant in the room. Aside from conversations for final wishes, or pondering what life might be like after death, I felt the need to take more pictures and videos of mom while I had the chance. I wanted to do that with dad. I assumed I was gonna have plenty of time when in fact I didn't. I lost those moments. So my phone was the next best thing, but every time I pulled my phone out to take pictures of mom, she quickly either protested or she pushed her hair down in her face 
because to her, having her big head or her big egg forehead is what she called it, was embarrassing to her. Because as mom's dementia progressed from vascular dementia to FTD or frontal temporal dementia, her hairline receded, leaving this noticeable balding. If she had bangs to cover up her hair or her forehead, she was fine. Over time, that confidence slowly waned and that confident smile turned into the grumpy or disgusted kind of posture. Those moments of trying to capture that picture were hard and I had to, to learn how to be really stuck with the camera. But thankfully, at the end of uh, 2021, Carmen DeValis, who is a nurse practitioner, photographer, and the author of Just See Me, Sacred Stories from the Other Side of Dementia, gave me a gift to treasure for many years to come. Carmen is the founder and president of the nonprofit Doggies for Dementia Foundation. And thanks to her foundation and her talents, Carmen provided studio portraits of mom with a heartwarming video from the photo session for me to cherish going forward. And for that, thank you so much for coming on with me today, Carmen. Oh, well, my pleasure, <laughs> my pleasure. I, um, I'm, I'm just left a little speechless by your, uh, your introduction and describing what it's been like for you to try to capture those moments and the frustrations and yet knowing how important it is mm -hmm. and how you're viewing the passage of time. And uh, yeah, I just had to reach over and grab some tissues because that was mm -hmm. just so, um, and, and that really is those, I mean, here we're talking about memories, right? A lot right. about memories in, in a world where memories are, are fractured in so many ways and how important those memories are to us that just becomes so very cherished. Exactly. And so um, yeah, it was, it was such an honor to photograph your mom, to meet her and you, and to um, capture those moments and, and just to see the light in her eye. Exactly. And the joy and when she was excited and understandably it is not easy having big lights there and somebody pointing a camera at you and right. trying to make small talk. I mean, it's not easy for anybody and um, certainly somebody with uh, dementia and um, all that is going on, it can be intimidating and frightening and and uh, we try to make it fun. <laughs> we try to make and it you fun. Did. You you yeah. absolutely did because while I was prepping with her, trying to do her hair and and make her feel like this was her movie star moment, and we were gonna get in front of the camera, because I thought, <laughs> oh, as soon as she sees the camera, she's gonna shove her hair in her face, or she's gonna do the same thing she does with me, and to, the hands up, no, 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 and uh -huh. it it was just nice because I I knew you knew what you were doing. I'll, you can handle this and I will just keep my fingers crossed that she doesn't say anything <laughs> that, um, that is too off color or out there, but it was just so nice having you with the setup that you did. And she just 
felt comfortable. And just like you said, capturing that light in their eyes, because I think that's something so many of us do is that we look at our loved ones and we try to get the smile and we look for that light in their eyes because that's mm -hmm. what tells us they're still there. They're still mm -hmm. in there. You, you recognize yeah. me. Yeah. And it's really hard to capture when you're the one that lights up their eyes and right. you've got, you're doing something else. And so how do you engage someone? And so like for you with a, with the camera or your, your phone or whatever you have that are trying to capture it, you're also distracted because you're engaging, but you're also trying to capture that light. Right. And, and that's, that's a real challenge. And, um, and so I, I think one of the things in you, you, you nailed it too, is that I am really familiar with dementia. What a strange uh, combination exactly. and photographer, but that's part of the beauty of it is that there really isn't anything that happens that would throw me off base because um, it's all, it's like in the zone where everything is okay. Mm -hmm. And families do not have to worry about how it's going to go because however it goes, it's just how it's supposed to go. And um, no worry, no hurry. Um, and that's part of why we maybe plan one for the morning and one session for the afternoon and right. hurry. And, um, and what a gift that is too, um, at least from what I've heard from families to not have to worry about how it's going to be. It's going to be great no matter what. Right, um, right. Yeah. And it's okay. No matter what happens, it's okay. So I, I like that there's this double play on words here because you have had both sides of dementia. You had it as the practitioner, nurse practitioner in the clinical setting. And then you were later able to see it from the artist side. So as a nurse practitioner, what was it like to see that side of dementia, but not be able to connect as much with the families? Yeah, uh, well, a lot of my career was making house calls. So I visited families at home. I also went to long-term care communities. Mm -hmm. And then in the clinic, and I was really, I would say I was really fortunate, very blessed in this, but I sought this out also. My visits weren't timed uh, yes. as much. And um, even at, at seat and brain and spine, they would say, look, you know what, if you need 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, if that's what you need, take it, block it out. Nice. And that's just like, unheard of, I know. you know, really. And my, that's like unheard of. And um, I notoriously ran behind, <laughs> but I felt like everyone <laughs> who left, um, you know, some of my medical assistants say you're kind of like the Oprah of the clinic. People laugh and cry, and they when they walk out <laughs> laughing about something. And I said, well, yeah, well, that's a gift in of itself because right. it's a tough thing. And uh, so, yeah, I, I got to hear things. But interestingly, as I started to uh, write my book, and I, I really had a calling to uh, tell the stories that weren't being told, I, I just thought like, what kind of world would we have if we could understand better what it was really like for families Absolutely. that some of the petty stuff we worry about and the little things uh, we'd stop and think because families would say it's kind of lonely. 
that's what I heard. It's kind of lonely for mm-hmm. us. People don't understand. And then when I went to, and I, I'm talking to them. And so the, for the book, I, I, I did photo sessions, but a big part of it were just, what do you, my, my sole agenda is what do you want the world to know? Mm. Not about dementia, not about what do you want the world to know? And I, 13 families, 13 topics, 13 things. And mm. uh, one of the real common threads was the feeling that people just didn't understand and the stigma, the isolation, the loneliness, mm-hmm. because who could they talk to? Right. And even some were say, I don't, I wouldn't tell you when you were my nurse, my nurse practitioner, because I thought you'd say, you're the only one who's not doing good at this caregiving thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As if, you know, yeah. it's like the hardest thing there is to do, right? And, or um, you're going to say, I can't take care of my mom or my dad or my spouse and I need to look for long-term care. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, just the biggest fears of what I would say if they said they struggled right. more than what they did. And uh, which was heartbreaking to me. And I thought, okay, we need to really make some changes. Mm-hmm. And um, so- Hence, I saw like, ah, raising awareness is so important, so important. And then I'm old enough to have been around in the days when breast cancer back as a young nurse, because it was 40 years for me and as a nurse and 20 as a nurse practitioner. And I remember when we didn't talk about cancer, it was the C word, right. it was mumbled yes. and breast cancer, female cancers, you just don't talk about it. And women were left to really struggle and Mm -hmm. to try to heal on their own with this huge stigma that there's they couldn't talk about and of course that has changed and what changed big time was that stories were being shared yes and people were trying to understand and knew other people who find who could come out and say yes i Mm -hmm. i'm a, a breast cancer survivor i'm working through it and 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 that's where we need to get with dementia too yes We really need to get there. So I know there's a way. (laughs) I know there's a way. Yes, Mm -hmm. because the the awareness makes a huge difference. And for me, the awareness, and I'm sure you saw this with your 13 different families even, that not all of them had exactly the same type or they were in exactly the same stage. I mean, it just, there's so much that needs to be learned. And ironically, from the time that Alzheimer's was discovered, to now we're still scratching the surface in most cases. Yes, yes. And in cases of frontal temporal, mm-hmm. you know, is, 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 you know, as in your mother's case, right. is really very little is known and very little is known definitely in the public or even in the medical, in the medical realm. So if you present to your primary care with these symptoms, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, ah, uh, I don't, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not really tapped, not really understood. It's not. And that's the, Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you say it that way because that's what ends up being the frustrating part for me caring Mm -hmm. for mom, because I can absolutely identify with what you said earlier, telling the doctors and nurses about how I felt caring for mom, because I felt like I wasn't doing enough. I felt like I wasn't doing it right. As if there's this right way or wrong way. It's just, yeah. Um, I didn't want that to be known. It's that it was part of airing the dirty laundry. But one of the things that frustrated me the most is that stepping forward to explain symptoms and because those certain symptoms or certain behaviors didn't line up with Alzheimer's, mom was dismissed. 
even mm-hmm. from many doctors and nurses, there's something going on right here, but it's it's not all summers or she's okay. She's fine. When I okay. knew she was not fine. So that's right. Finding that second opinion and sometimes even a third opinion mm-hmm. is what I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things as a nurse practitioner and as well as the portrait photography work that I'm doing or the it's more of a documentary style type thing. I, who's the expert family, right? Family's the expert. Right. And uh, because that is that the caregiving role, loving your parent or your spouse, or it, I mean, that's where you spend your time. That's, that's your life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So did you become the nurse by the week and the photographer by the weekend? How did you transition? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I <laughs> had always been, yeah, that's because I had always been a hobbyist and I had a camera, but I always shot an automatic. I mean, that's like how advanced I was with that. So not very far, but seeing things with the eye uh, of, of uh, the artist was always the case for me. I saw life in still pictures. And interestingly, with that soundtrack too, like there's songs that will pop into my head, but I just see things as like almost as if you're passing, you're going through a book um, of image by image. And uh, one day in the clinic, a family had come in and their story had just touched me so, and um, it was just so impactful. It was like an epiphany for me because I had always thought somebody really needs to tell these stories. And of course, when you're in the really the throes of caregiving and adjusting to what life it might be like or and it changes all the time right mm-hmm. that that's not always the best time to share your stories and but this day it just hit me like you need to tell these stories mm-hmm. by the time I drove home uh, I had like a plan in mind what I was going to do and nice. I that's when I started taking classes to really learn to take the technical to what I saw in my mind mm-hmm. and and so that's really how it happened for me and and I'm pretty sure I could have earned a PhD by then <laughs> in all the classes I took <laughs> online I mean I was a voracious learner and practicing and practicing and um, I just uh, it just didn't end the storytelling I don't know why I thought I could write a book because never written anything more I wrote a few research papers and things and I, I you know I didn't even know where to begin but I just knew it was going to happen I had to do it and uh, I mean like I needed to hire an editor and help with getting it organized and I thought what made me think I could do this <laughs> what, 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 where'd that come from it's just crazy and um, but yet I couldn't stop I couldn't yes. give it up I just couldn't give it up. It was a, it was really a just a um, a real d- visceral and emotional draw, um, and then that's how Doggies for Dementia came about. Because you know, I I took a look at on social because part of raising awareness, mm-hmm. I decided I needed to use social media. Yet again, mm-hmm. something I knew nothing about. Right. But yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> I'll learn that, sure, <laughs> and business, and oh yeah, no problem. That's just crazy. But um, so I'm, and I I realized the pictures that had dogs in them, some kind of with the dogs, were mm-hmm. the most popular. 
which really meant that people stopped to read the stories and would comment on those stories, which is the goal of raising awareness of the stories. I'm like, well, we got to go where people are. And being a dog lover, I just thought, okay, Mm -hmm. we could do that. And, and if it meant like in your mom's case, we didn't have a live dog, but she was delighted with the, 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 um, the mechanical pup, <laughs> the mechanical pup that's breathing and has this little bed. And when I saw her face light up, I was like, Oh, thank you. Exactly. Because, you know, that could have gone either way and, exactly. and it could have gone either way and that's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're going to raise awareness, you've got to tell the story that people are interested in they can get their attention so they can dive in more. Absolutely. And you know, the, the what I felt was so sweet was I thought the same thing as soon as you were handing it to her that she would go, I don't want that thing. But she took it right away and she reached in. There was the little brush that was on the inside of the little bed of it. And she reached yeah. in and started brushing the puppy's hair right away. And I thought, oh my gosh, she yeah. took and, to it so easily. Uh, and the, the look on her face, the delight, yeah. just... Yeah, I was like wiping tears. I'm like, okay, that's... Which is amazing to me because it worked so well where I was so worried that she wouldn't be able to capture these moments with her and the conversation would come about in a not so desirable way because with FTD, it does affect language and the expressive language that for mom as she declines her choice of conversation or words is very vulgar now and so I was so concerned that oh we're gonna get this on video oh boy this is gonna be (laughs) but the way she reacted with the dog it just it made it so natural and it just flowed and it was nice to see her interacting in a way that Mm -hmm. of course there was some Mm -hmm. of it that I was really worried um bringing her in and her a side of her being uh not wanting to sit down and have the videos and have the pictures taken I just felt horrible when you were so sweet and your husband was there to introduce things and the first thing that her mind zeroed in on was asking you if she could borrow her borrow your husband and I thought oh no there it is there it is (laughs) and in that moment it, it was panic for me but um, thankfully, someone who, you know how this is with different families and different, the worries that it was like, it didn't phase you guys. And thank no. God for that. Because it, I just, I mean, I'm sure my face changed to all kinds of shades of red, but. Um, yeah, I was feeling for you more than anything. But it was, as I said, nothing can really face me when we're, we're doing and, um, doing a photo session, including the resisting at first, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to sit there. That's okay. That's part of that. No hurry, no worry. And not really on a time schedule. Right. You know, it's like, that's fine. And we could chat and just kind of uh, get to it. And if I had known about the donuts early on though, I would have been. That was a lifesaver. Yes. So, um, (laughs) We had a wonderful person there in the background that was, um, I had it planned and knew, and there were some donuts, and boy, those donuts came out, and the smiles came out even bigger. <laughs> sure did. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah. It it just all, it, it worked out beautifully, and you know, I've yet to have a, sesh, a photo session that hasn't. I mean, everyone is unique. It's mm-hmm. not always the way we plan, but the way it comes out is 
is still just as it needed to be. Right. And, um, but that's part of why when I, I think I even told you in the beginning, like, yeah, if we have to hang around for a while, that's what we'll do. We'll wait for exactly. a time when it's good. And, um, I guess that's the luxury of being your own boss. You can make those decisions. Absolutely. Like, yeah, we'll just kind of hang out. Yeah, yeah. I do like that. <laughs> uh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's sure. why I loved going through your book and going through the stories that you shared in here because the pictures even in the book, you can see the smiles. You can see the families. They are real people going through real life crisis with this degenerative disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things yeah. I loved is that in the very beginning, you actually point out um, when you're talking about these 13 families, how they unknowingly described unmet basic spiritual needs, which it, again, it just, as soon as I read that, it just resonated right away because their stories are stories of the hope and connection and the meaning and purpose and surrender and the power of prayer even with the humor and intense love and loyalty, which are all aspects of the spirituality. And those sessions that you provided to these families capture it. And then you're able to put the story to that session and the awareness is there because my goodness, um, as much as, just as you dove into your classes of photography, I dove into dementia because my frustration of people who didn't understand it and the countless people who would tell me I didn't know what I was talking about, mm-hmm. that she was fine. And the problem with it is there's so much that there's so many difference in varying degrees that this dismissal, I mean, your very first story in here of John and Paul, two brothers, in fact, that had mm-hmm a version of dementia that I wasn't aware of. I mean, I was aware, but it's so rare that it's not highly talked about. And so these brothers being 36 and 39 years old, and it's the other side of it where the mother is caring for her sons. It's just so heart-wrenching to read that and know that these are real stories. Real. And what a joy she was. I mean, she was one of my very first families that I got to know when I started working in clinic at Seton and I it was like a tornado almost and she's like talking so fast and uh and I like I said um because she really wanted me to learn about her sons and like Mm -hmm. you she had been told various things but she knew she was the expert and in fact her daughter was diagnosed even before the boys were and um, she lost her daughter during the time that I was caring for her sons and she really uh, wanted to she really wanted to be an involved caregiver an involved mother and as she's going through it I could see she has been through this a lot and had Mm -hmm. told this story a lot and had felt like she was just like beating her head against the wall and and yeah. I just said Mary tell me what is it that you need from me today let's talk about what I can do for you today because I hear what you're saying and she was worried about some of the medicines that had been prescribed that they mm-hmm. had a bad reaction to I'm like let's talk about that and 
Um, but after it was probably like two, a year and a half, maybe later when I at her home and she was like a different person. And uh, I said, Mary, I can't help but notice a change. Although even the time I knew her there, you know, things that it was different for her, but this was just like serene. And, and I said, is it that you're at home? And she was, you know, I spend my time in prayer. I spend my days in prayer. And my son had been in Iraq in the war. He's in his 30s now, so 15 years ago. But I remember that time of feeling the same way. That was what kept me sane. Mm-hmm. And that I had prayer beads, I was touching, I was like spent in perpetual prayer, essentially. Mm-hmm. And when she told me that, I'm like, I really get that. I really mm-hmm. get that. And I mean, here she is in her 70s taking care of her sons who needed pretty much total care. Right. And, and had a full-time job. Yeah, you can imagine <laughs> some parents would be able to relate to raising twins, what that's like yeah. with babies, but having twin grown adult sons, or not twin, but two adult yeah. sons caring for them. Yeah, just... she did it with such joy, such joy. And I, I just, I'll just think of her a lot when I find, when I'm going through hard times and like, wait a second. Right. <laughs> let's put this in perspective yeah and I want to touch on one thing you you mentioned the spiritual needs I and mean, there's a there's a short story um my master's in nursing uh before I went on to be, even become a nurse practitioner was in spirituality and healthcare. oh I love yeah that. that was my master's yeah and it was like I again I just couldn't get enough and I <sighs> had worked on that with my thesis well you know, fast forward 20 years, I'm writing this book and I'm sitting in my living room floor with 13 uh, piles of papers with notes and stories. And I'm like, what the heck is that? How am I going to connect these? Mm-hmm. I just, and um, gal I talked to who was working with editing, she goes, what did you say your master's was in? And I told her, she goes, well, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my goodness, There's your connection. 13, 13 unique needs and how they met their needs I, I couldn't have so I didn't even have that in my head when I was thinking about what do I want because I didn't even know enough to have an agenda <laughs> I just thought I'm going to share their stories how but great that's is that? the and, beauty of it yeah yeah and and there it was I'm like wow that's a full circle moment for me mm-hmm. because to me that's what it was and some families are even surprised like I didn't know that when you were writing it I'm like I didn't either <laughs> I didn't either it took me like three years to write it I thought it would be six months <laughs> oh wow maybe that's not <laughs> 13 no, no. families <laughs> yeah see how little I knew I mean it took me a year and then that time even that it took me to write it was great because I went back and revisited and I, I mm. because I, you know, families didn't know it, but I was going through a really hard time myself, really, really hard time. And so revisiting and spending time with them was very healing for me. Nice. Uh, and it, it was like, I became a part of the family almost there for some holidays and capturing those moments and, we had no idea just how much it meant. See, that's, it's so beautiful. And that's where I see that God has plan. You know, some of the stuff with, even with the beginning stages with me caring for mom, some of it, it just felt a little coincidental. Some of it was like, why is this happening? And then some of it was like, oh, I was, I was meant to do X, Y, or Z. But then 
years into it, being able to finally reflect on it and seeing this full circle, like, oh, wow. Yeah. I just, yeah. If, if I knew this going into it, I might have gave it some thought and then provided some reasons why I could, it could wait for later, some other time. But being kind of brought into it, but you had that seed planted in your heart. And that's why you were just going and nurturing so. it and letting it grow. Yeah. And, um, I, I, so I applaud you and you and your podcast because there will be somebody, at least one person listening who yes. needs to hear it may not make sense right now. However, it will, and it'll, it'll become more than you ever realized. Oh, it has. Um, I, mm -hmm. and every time I get, I have those moments because I do, I have those moments where I question why I'm doing it or how much could I do through a podcast or worrying about how many listeners are there or not. And I just know that at the moment that person needs it, they'll find it because when they go looking for whatever topic, cause there's so much, there's so much to be shared by so many different families that something yes. is going to resonate with one or another in some yeah. shape or form. You're absolutely right. Because just like those of us providing the information and, and in your case, living, living mm -hmm. the life and, and as a, a caregiver and a daughter, uh, sometimes we're, we're all like, I feel like I'm sitting here in my sweats with a ponytail and thinking nobody hears, or this isn't going to matter. Why am I doing this? Right. It's two right. o'clock in the morning. I'm still, I'm like, I got to write another blog. And I think, <laughs> I hope somebody reads it. I hope somebody hears it. And, but the truth is, it, it is, it is important. Mm -hmm. The stories are important. It is important mm -hmm. and they will be shared and they will be read because unfortunately the way our world is evolving, this is happening mm -hmm. more and more. And there are yes. far more people than you and I know of. Um, mm -hmm. because like you said earlier, the, the patients and the families that wouldn't speak up in the appointments. So you can only imagine how many more are out there that are yep. starting to look for information and mm -hmm. that'll be when your book comes across and they'll see these touching stories of families that I, one of the ones that I came across, this is with William Brighton. Mm -hmm. Him and oh gosh, it just made me feel so upset and sad. And at the same time, I knew how they felt. William and Maureen, when she was talking about being robbed by taking have, her husband having working his career and doing so well and having to step away, mm -hmm. them letting him go because they saw his this disease was something that he couldn't work or provide as well. And mm -hmm. he wasn't the way yeah. she saw it was he wasn't as bad off but they saw it differently. And it's, mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking because there are those people out there who are losing their jobs because of this. And they're, yes. they're having to step away from these jobs even earlier in life. So they're not making it to their typical US retirement age of 65. They are right. actually stepping away in their 40s because yeah. early onset dementia is hitting hard mm -hmm. and when they least expect it. Right. And so talking about frontotemporal, that is the, of all the different diseases, the types of dementia, mm -hmm. 
that's the one that affects more young people than exactly. any other type. And there's early onset Alzheimer's, there's other things and then that related to head injuries and all along. And the grief associated with losing that time that mm-hmm. you always think you're going to have. Right. But losing that time in that way that you envisioned it. And in their case, yeah, they had quite a wonderful life beforehand. He was a workaholic. Mm-hmm. He liked to work a lot. And his son said one of the beauties now is he plays with the kids like he's just loves enjoying the children and and playing something he hadn't done before. But his wife said, yeah, but I got robbed mm-hmm. because that life we worked for that we planned for after he was done working, right. I would get was gone. And now, wow, that was a, a strong one for me mm-hmm. being a hard worker. I'll just say hard worker, <laughs> maybe a workaholic. I don't know. It depends <laughs> you know, how inspired I am and how you want to phrase that. But spending a lot more time, it's like, wait a second, what, what also is important here? Exactly. But mm-hmm. you see it. So you've had the chance to see it both as the practitioner, nurse practitioner on the clinical side. You have been able to see it from the artist side and working with these families as the photographer and the writer and sharing these stories. So it is a passion. Yes, you are a very hard worker, but it is a work of passion to be able to bring awareness to this. And as you do this, so I know you're able to work for um, other organizations or help with um, providing this service to families. Can you tell me a little bit Mm -hmm. about how this works so others can know how this works? Of course. Yes, uh, so Doggies for Dementia Foundation, we usually shorten it Doggies for Dementia or Doggies. We, um, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, before it was part of my for-profit business, but I donated the, those sessions. And um, the change in it to a nonprofit means that we are funded by sponsorships and donations and things like that. Mm-hmm. One of the most important things for me is families um, are not are expected to pay nothing. We want to gift that. Yes. And um, we are in the Austin area now, but expanding by teaching other photographers um, about um, what what our photo sessions are like for doggies for dementia, which really means learning also a lot about dementia so that should something happen that they're is not expected that they'll know, you know, what, I don't know better what to expect. And um, there are photographers across the country that have expressed an interest. And so we do plan on growing. Now my husband loves to travel. So we, we, we have traveled some, I mean, the pandemic hit us hard. Uh, Obviously we couldn't photograph like we had before for a good long time because, um, there of the risk that just right. just it just wasn't going to do that and traveling too mm-hmm. uh but uh we we just uh are as of the end of this year i did probably more photo sessions than i did the last two years all put together so we're getting getting that's back wonderful. in yeah so that's kind of how it works i mean we're we're like any other nonprofit with funding however what what most people see is that piece of it we're raising awareness we're on social media blog i have a youtube channel for um for that video um 
podcast of sorts with uh, with experts, which includes family members a lot with family members and people from all different walks and all in an, in an effort to support families and to really big time raise awareness. Let's teach these stories. Let's mm-hmm. um, in all aspects, you know, I mean, it's not an easy disease. It's a tough, it's a tough thing. It means a lot of uh, changes for families and for people experiencing it. But like every story, there are multiple facets. And, right. Yeah. And of course, we like to include dogs. Of course. Of <laughs> we course. love to include dogs. That's a key piece of it. Uh, but as you know, if it doesn't work out with a dog, that doesn't mean we don't do it. We, I mean, a lot of, a lot of families are given a wide choice of images and many are not with the dog. But for, uh, for as far as raising awareness and things, the, the story with the dog is, uh, is key to, um, to get people's interest. Absolutely. So yeah. I know that as the seasons start changing, events might come up and families may be looking for opportunities to either have the gift item or maybe just memory keepsake. Mm-hmm. How do you work with families on that? They want to reach out to you. Yes. Um, so it's doggiesfordementia.org is our website. There's easy way to contact uh, and I say us, but it's primarily me. <laughs> when they reach out, I'm the one that's going to talk to them. Or um, my email is Carmen, C-A-R-M-E-N, at doggiesfordementia.org. Um, however, just go to the website. You'll see how to find. It's just, just a matter of reaching out and asking. And let's say they want a photo session, but not so sure they want the stories told or made public. There's a way to do that. It's not part of the uh, it's not part of the nonprofit, but I still do that. And it's at a way reduced kind of at cost that I will do that for families too. That's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. I know you were given this, the seed was planted on your heart for a reason. And this is excellent and a, a beautiful way of bringing awareness. I mean, instead of having um, the shock and the sad and the grief, this is a really beautiful way because you, you get to see beyond the form of dementia you see the family you see that person living with dementia and you actually see them as a person and like Mm -hmm. some family members and even others that have lost their jobs they're isolated and they're seen differently right away as soon as it's known Mm -hmm. I know that was one of the areas that I kind of was very nervous about mentioning when I worked still in the corporate world that Mentioning my mother had bipolar manic depression even at first. It was like, I didn't want that association to be viewed as, oh, she's probably like that too. And work production, you know, if I had a bad day because I was upset or depressed with mom, you know, I didn't want the connection made. And a lot of that I wanted to keep to myself. But these stories put faces to that real life evolving Mm -hmm. world. Yeah. I'm so glad you did this. We're all people first. Exactly. Everybody's got something. No matter what, everybody's got something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. um, It's it's wonderful to hear reinforcement. And uh, I should say, too, as you're reading the book, pretty much every family did not want photos. They go, we'll do it for you. This is like, we'll do it for you, but I'm not so sure we're going to really want that, but we love you. So, okay. And then those images, right. As I'm delivering those, 
you know, matted prints to them. It, it was like, you could just see them. It was, um, it became this priceless treasure is how it was described by right. families. Right. And I thought, okay, because I wondered at first, well, maybe they're right. And that's not something they're going to want. And I thought, well, who's to say that there's a time of our life that we could just block out and say, I've never, I don't, I, it's as if it didn't happen that yes, there's dementia, but every time of our life and every person deserves that respect and to be valued in such a way that we, we have documentation of their lives Mm -hmm. and what, what it was like. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. mm -hmm. Cause I love the pictures you took of mom and I even especially love that I was able to be in these pictures with her and seeing her mm-hmm. smile. So now I know in years to come when I don't have her with me, that's that's a memory in my heart. That is a moment that I can look at those pictures and have that fresh memory of when she was smiling and laughing and having her princess moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I um I would title your mom sessions delightful. And uh yeah, and there isn't a, a day that I sit here and go through and edit pictures and video. Um and I am not great at the video, I mean the editing piece I've learned. Um mm-hmm. and I and I just have tears, you know, it's just so touching for me, me too. And uh, uh not just tears because the technology is not my thing, but <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, yeah. My husband's like, why are you crying? It's so beautiful. Mm. It's real life. It's it just real. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's real life. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Carmen, for taking time to share your information with me. And I do want to let remind people to, if they get a chance to find your book, Just See Me. And this is going to be The, sc- the Sacred Stories from the Other Side of Dementia. And I really, really think that once you see this and read this, that you will, you will feel the fact that you are not alone. And if you're experiencing any of these scenarios, the families and how they're reacting, it'll point you in a direction that you need to go in at that point in time. Thank you. Thank you. And I, and I say it, I sometimes forget this, but if someone would like one signed, you know, autographs for them or dedicated to someone, just reach out to me, go to the website and say, hey, Carmen, I'd love to have a copy of your book and I will take care of that because I have some here. (laughs) Excellent. They're on Amazon, but you know, I have them too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you for joining in and listening today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope this episode gave you some more food for thought and until next time, be proactive. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. To learn more about proactive caregiving and to hear other episodes of this podcast, please visit www.jessicalizelcannon.com. This podcast is produced by Canon Light Media, LLC, www.canonlightmedia.com. Music provided by Chris Paradise.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 